0: Welcome to the Dow of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode.
1: Welcome to the Dow of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Have a good crowd today. We have Tina and Kate and Marla and Todd and Zach and Paul and Brian and Craig and Taylor, good to see everyone. First of all, Sensei will be here next week for the second verse. Uh, Anyone that has not posted their questions in the Facebook group, please do so. I have that post in the Facebook group and if we need any extra questions, I'll just add them in the morning. So I need to get that to him tomorrow, though, so he's got plenty of time. So we'll have the second chapter of the Tao Te Ching next week. So, But today we're talking about the three friends. Did everyone see it in the chat? If you need it, the PDF is there. If you came in after I posted it, I'm happy to repost it for you. Let me know. Kate, you want to read for us? And let's just read through it once and then talk about it. Is that good?
2: That sounds good. Okay. Three friends. There were three friends discussing life. One said, can men live together and know nothing of it? Work together and produce nothing? Can they fly around in space and forget to exist, world without end? The three friends looked at each other and burst out laughing. They had no explanation. Thus, they were better friends than before. Then one friend died. Confucius sent a disciple to help the other two chant his obsequies. The disciple found that one friend had composed a song. While the other played a lute, they sang, Hey, sung Hu, where'd you go? Hey, sung Hu, where'd you go? You have gone where you really were, and we are here, damn it, we are here. Then the disciples, the disciples just, just, burst, burst in, in Anna, Anna. and exclaimed, May I inquire where you found this rubrics for obsequies, this frivolous caroling in the presence of the departed? The two friends looked at each other and laughed. Poor fellow, they said, he doesn't know the new liturgy. Roar, roar, roar. <laughs> roar, roar, roar. Comments? I looked up some stuff about Confucius and Zhuangzi because it seemed like in this uh, story they're a little bit at odds. Um, and so, and the Taoism and Confucianism are are not the same, but it seemed like he's almost poking fun at Confucius' disciple. So I looked up um, some stuff. I I listened to a lecture by this Harvard professor, and he was talking about Confucius and Zhuangzi, and he talked about how Confucius, with his ideas, kind of focuses on the human like parents and ancestors and the here and now and rituals and, like, living your life focusing on human, on the human. And, like, how with death you just don't know about it and you focus on what you know now. And Zhuangzi is more thinking that it's limiting to focus on the human. So if you're focusing on any set thing like that, that it's limiting and cuts you off from other things so that it's kind of more important to open up to the universe beyond human life just and just think of human life as a stage and then you can live more fully so if you can open yourself up to the way then that's just a part of human life so the I think the tension between like the disciple of Confucius and our group of friends is kind of drawing on the difference between those ways of thinking where the disciple of Confucius is steeped in that tradition and respecting the dead and singing those sad songs. And the friends are saying kind of like, yeah, he's not with them anymore, but he's experiencing a different existence. And they're singing a song that respects that new experience. And he's—they're kind of old-fashioned. Like Confucius's disciples' way is old-fashioned. So I don't know. I looked up some background on that.
1: Thank you, Kate. From what I understand, uh, anytime you see Confucius in any of Lao Tzu Chances writings, eventually Confucius or his disciples are going to be the butt of the joke, whatever it is that's going on. It's always the case. Uh, Marla sent me. Thank you for sending me that link, Marla.
3: Can you take care of reading all that stuff?
1: Well, <laughs> it was good I thought, stuff. what I thought was interesting was, uh, mm-hmm. and I don't, I just printed it out and I don't even have on here who this is from. My apologies, but it says the first thing about life, about this, is that there's no explanation. And uh Oh, I misread that. Okay. It doesn't say that. I thought it was saying there's no explanation to the three friends. And then he goes on for 15 pages to talk about there's no explanation. But he's saying, <laughs> he says there's no explanation uh, about life, uh, that it has no explanation. Uh, it is there as a mystery. And if you try to explain it, you'll miss it. Then he goes on, like I said, for 15 pages, pages talking about not explaining it. So, uh, But there's one thing I did pick out, and he talks about the same thing, Kate, that Confucius is a man of manners. Nobody can transcend him, so he is always the butt of Chonksa and Lao Tzu. They bring Confucius into their stories just to laugh at his foolishness. What was his foolishness? He lived by a system. He lived by a formula, by theories, by beliefs. He was the perfectly civilized man, the most perfect gentleman the world has ever known. He moves and he moves according to the rule. He looks and he looks according to the rule. He laughs and he laughs according to the rule. He never moves beyond the boundary. He lives in a constant bondage of his own making. So he is the butt of their laughter. And Chonsa and Lao Tzu very much enjoy bringing him into their stories. So that's just more of what you were saying. So when we see something about Confucius in these stories, there's going to be something there because I think he represents form and the whole idea of of being within the system. And uh, the Tao is almost the opposite of that, really about letting go and letting the system go. Um, Craig?
4: Yes, there was there was another guy that was um, in the mix as well. And his name was Motsu. And he was... Uh, what I get from these, and I've spoken about this before, is anybody that's seen the life of Brian, you've got the, you've got all these these different parties sat in the amphitheatre, and one guy goes up and says, "You the people's freedom fighters," he says, "No, we the fight, we the fighters of the people's freedom." He says they sit over there, so it's, it's kind of like all these different groups with more or less the same principles, but they call each other something different, um, or they have something that is what they basically kind of try to say is, "No, I don't do it that way. I, I do it this way," but we kind of got the same the, the same ideals. Um, and what the, in the book we were reading about um, Motsu, it was describing Confucius as someone that looked at the practical aspects of things. Where so he looked at the um, at the contemporary things like music, um, artistry, um, and more like a, a a structured a structured civilization. And Motsu, he kind of took the Mickey out of him. Just say you don't need that because you don't need this, these institutions and it was more or less saying you don't need these people to pack you in the back and validate you because, you know, you, all you'd really do is embodying things into this into this one thing, whereas if you look at things on more of a spiritual level, then you're going to kind of go further. So I do think around about those those times there was people just kind of poking fun at each other, and I got that from from this reading. That, that's, that's what the, the, the reading of that reminded me of. It was almost as if the um, we've heard the story about the, the, the three vinegar tastes or the three wine tastes, and they all had different aspects of this. And what I kind of got out of this one was there was a fourth guy coming along, and he was he was just kind of poking fun at everybody else. So they, they were just really getting their own back on it. But I think on the on the whole, around about that period and around about these philosophies, a lot of it is more or less the same. But people are kind of saying, "Well, mine's is better than yours because I deal with this." So I think there is a, quite a bit of conflict of the same information going on.
1: There's a major differences though between what. Lao Tzu taught what Confucius taught, though.
4: Yeah, yeah, but again, they kind of they kind of go tit for tat. I, I think some of them are going. It's, it's like we've always got that one person in life that if you've if you've done something once, they've done it three or four times. I kind of get the impression there was some of this going on with with these guys in that time as well.
1: Who else has something? There's one of the chapters of the Tao that talks about. You have rules, and then you have, here it is.
4: What's the just of it?
1: Hold on, I got it. 37. Okay, this is the 30, 37th chapter. Says, I'm going to skip on down. The master does not force virtue on others, thus she's able to accomplish her task. Ordinary people who use force will find that they accomplish nothing. See, that's what I think he's pointing at the Confucius kind of idea. The kind person acts from the heart and accomplishes a multitude of things. The righteous person acts from pity, yet leaves things undone, just a little lower virtue. Um, the moral person acts out of duty, and when no one responds, will roll up his sleeves and use force. That's kind of the, the Confucius ideas that I think that, you know, when the Tao's forgotten, uh, because the Tao is such a way to live above rules and above all of the all of those things, you know, because it's a freedom from all of that. That's part of the reason we study it, is because of the freedom we get from from just being able to let go. I have to carry all of that. How about this part in the Three Friends where it says, "Can men live together and know nothing?" of it like nothing of uh i think it's talking about each other like not to meddle in other people's lives maybe can three friends just live together and not not be at odds work together and produce nothing can they fly around in space and forget to exist world without end the three friends looked at each other and burst out laughing they had no explanation I was thinking probably they had no explanation because they had no expectations. Probably has something to do with expectations there. Thus they were better friends than before.
5: I feel like that, uh, that part you just read, the the questions they're asking, it seems like the questions that we've asked, uh, we've asked here before, you know, which is that, um, just that whole idea of the uncarved block. Like, do you ever get to the place where you get to realize that you're there? It seems like that's the question they're, they're, they're asking is, you know, can, can you ever get to a place where, you know, you're together and you don't know it, uh, uh, produce nothing, fly around in space. It just sounds like this, this very, like, can you ever get to the place where where um, where, where you're, you're acting, y- yeah, you know, if 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 you ever get to the place where there's, you know, a hundred percent no agenda or a hundred percent like, uh, you know what, however you would you might describe it, yeah, that where you can just be
1: that you have no expectations, and, and of course their answer is laughter, <laughs> yeah, because they're they were there,
6: it's what I think. Maybe. Taylor? Uh, Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. It's like they immediately follow it up by doing exactly what they just asked uh, was to just simply be in that existence, be in that moment. And they answered that question with laughter. So, yeah, that's 100 percent agree.
1: So it's all about back to this learning to move from having to doing to being right The other thing that jumped out to me was in the middle of the funeral song, which you did so well singing, by the way, Kate, Have you have gone where you really were. Did y'all see that?
0: That's the one line that really resonated with me. And I think it's this larger concept, for me at least, a larger concept of a very limiting view that we have of ourselves right now, we perceive a barrier of skin and there's a barrier between you and me and us and my desk and barriers. Right. But when you, when you go down to like the molecular level and stuff, there is no barriers. Um, It's mostly space, you know, our atoms and quirks and everything are mostly spaced. So therefore there's really is no barrier. And therefore, if we assume that there is no barrier, then we're always constantly part of this one, this oneness. And when you die, you leave the concept of you you don't have a brain that shackles you into this human view of things with these barriers. You go into the ethereal oneness, but you were always there. You never, you never were not there. You just perceive that you were not there.
1: You go back to where you were all the time. Is that what you're saying, Brian?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're always there, but we can't, we're not currently perceiving it because we have put limitations on ourselves and our perception.
1: Let me read something. Thank you, Brian. That was good. Let me read something to you from word into silence. A Manual for Christian Meditation, John Main. I'm reading this with another sponsor, and we happened to read something this morning. I don't know all these things. We happened to read it this morning, so I still remember it, that, match, that really goes well with this. Um, all our seeking for secret knowledge, hidden ways, or teaching has been rendered unnecessary because the ultimate secret has been revealed. The secret is this. Christ in you. So, in prayer, we're not striving to make something happen. It has already happened. We're simply realizing what already is. By traveling deeper into the unified consciousness, into the world of our own creation, the prison of self-fixation that prevents our making this journey can no longer hold those who can understand that we possess the mind of Christ. So he was a monk. So he's coming from, you know, Christian perspective, but saying the same thing, saying the exact same thing that, uh, that it has already happened. There's not something to make happen. We're already one. He's just going back to where we were all the time. That's good stuff. So how can we start? You know, that really is for me, from what I understand, the real definition of enlightenment. Is this realization that we're one, we're all one? Started seeing that with the Course in Miracles when they started talking about, um, you know, when I help you, I help me. When I hurt you, I hurt me. When I'm defending, I'm inviting attack. All those things that would tell me that the two are one, and that that thought of being, you know, of, of being one. Has, moves from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge, I think. And I think that's part of what they're talking about here. He's just going back to where he was. And, uh, of course, the Confucius, I forget which old cartoon that reminds me of. There was an old cartoon that had, a, you know, the the dunce that was always the butt of all the jokes, you know, when I was in one of the real old cartoons. And you knew he was going to be made fun of, you know, at the end of the cartoon, whatever it was. And that's what that kind of reminds me of the uh Confucius uh he just doesn't know the new liturgy yet you know he just doesn't know about this yet no uh you know he doesn't know, and so that's uh that's kind of you know he's not enlightened he doesn't he doesn't understand how it's really working. I looked at another translation of this uh and that part where it says had no explanation." In this translation, it says having no disagreement among themselves, they became fast friends. And then the part that was talking about you have gone where you really were, this says you have gone back to your true self where while we remain as men. So that's another translation of
6: that. Well, and I'm looking at when he says, you know, damn it, we are here, those that choice of word throws me off a little bit from like the context of the whole story more or less. Like, I guess the question I'm asking myself is like, are they saying like, darn it, we are here. Damn it. We are here is like a positive thing. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that right there kind of throws me off a little bit. So maybe we want to talk about that or does anybody else have insight on that?
1: Well, I'd never heard Kate curse before. So that was new.
2: I almost think that maybe they're, they're saying he's lucky to be at this oneness, you know, like they're still stuck in their human existence and he gets to go on and be, you know, more at one with everything than they are, you know, so they're still stuck there. Damn it.
1: Kate. That's what I thought too, Kate. Was it as if it was a, Good for him, not not a, not a bad thing for him that he had passed.
2: And I think it does seem comforting to think about that, you know, if I try to picture everything as being part of this great one big whatever Tao, this great Tao, it is comforting to think about that. You know, if you think of death in that way, it does not seem as scary.
1: True.
7: So, um, can everybody hear me? Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, uh, so yeah, just trying to piece it together and, and just one of the ways I was hearing it, um, from at the beginning when they talked about the three about, can we all exist? Can we be here and accomplish nothing? Um, for some reason the, what came to my mind was this little, um, excerpt I heard, um, um, Glennon Doyle say one time about friendship and she said, really, and I'm sure she got this from somewhere great too, but, um, she said, friendship is really just two people being together and not being God. Friendship is just, I'll sit with you in your loneliness, I'll sit with you in your happiness, and I won't try to fix it. Um, And so that's, may not be what they were meaning, but it's what just got in my head and now it's stuck there. Because I think for me, that comforts me. So that's what I hear in it. And can we do this and accomplish nothing, which is the goal, um, but still remain friends? Because sometimes, friends feel like they have to be accomplishing things. Um, But if your friends, if your friendship is of the Tao, you're not accomplishing anything. You're just being. Um, So that's what I got from that. And, um, and then at the end, when they said, darn it, where are you? Um, And you, you're where you were before, where he was, where he was before um what i heard was like you're still supposed to be here because really we just when we die you just go into another room but we're still all in the same house and we should still be all connected kind of like dang it you're supposed to still be here but you are not where we were so you have realized your physical body is gone therefore our connection is gone but the physical body has nothing to do with it like you should technically still be here and it's almost like what i took it as they were laughing at the fact that he died but he's not really dead um he's still here and nothing really changes except the physical aspect so it's kind of like dang it i wish he would have got that and i wish he would have understood that and and because he's he's still here he just doesn't realize it that makes sense to me only if they're saying you don't get it you know you're where you were before which is in your body and not where in this in spirit
4: so i was thinking about the relationship these guys have got going and it reminds me of the saying that the robin williams came out everybody needs that person in life that's going to listen to your bullshit tells you it's bullshit and then sits and listens to more of it because you have that relationship with people I don't know if we've all got that person in life that you can, you can have a conversation with one day and then not talk to them for another couple of days. And then when you hit them up, you're just right back to where that conversation ended because a relationship doesn't have the barriers. It doesn't have the boundaries. It doesn't have, the, um, it doesn't have any of the resentments. It doesn't have any, any, other, any other ulterior motives. You just get on that well that just, it's just a, a, a seamless relationship. I think, none of the rituals, you mean? Yeah. To be part yeah, of it? Of yeah, none of, none of the, you know, I, I've got this and you've got that. You know, it's just, you're just on, it's, it goes back to having that, um, what's the word? That it's to do with the connection. I've mentioned it before. It's that you have that connection. What's the What's the word help me out? Companionship nearly nearly you have that, the reper- that camaraderie you have that that repertoire you you have that you have that soul that soul repertoire it's not like it's not like a double actor and it's just a case of you know you connect just on that spiritual level that you know exactly where everybody's at there is no bullshit involved in it there's no ulterior motives it's just a case of we're well, yeah. here it's like two old friends sitting on a bench just shooting the shit and in the wrongs of the world, and just and just being rather than constantly wanting to do and outdo each other. It's a case of this is what we are. And like, yeah, and I, th- I think I think we'll all get to that stage in life where we're fed up fighting. We're fed up. We're fed up resisting things. We just we get to the stage where we think, you know what? There's there's more to life than there's more to life than fighting things. We'll probably get on a lot better if we just stop resisting. And, and start being. I think having that soul connection with people is massively important. And that's what i That's what I keep getting drawn back to is is the actual relationship, not the fact that the guy died. Um, we actually had something like this. Something happened in in um, in real life. We had a we, we had a team at work, and we were all fantastic friends. Although we, we started off as work colleagues, but and then one of the guys one of the guys died. And it was just like a massive hole in that team, a massive hole in, in just in that in that repertoire. That, that there was just something missing. And after that, the whole team kind of split because there was nothing really holding us together because we all had our own griefs that we were dealing with. And I don't know if that kind of pushed people apart because we didn't feel that we could talk to each other about that sort of thing.
1: Your relationship wasn't to that point where you had no expectations,
4: huh? Yeah. It yeah, wasn't
1: quite to this point of,
4: yeah, Yeah. I think once that separation took place, there just was no cohesion because there wasn't an understanding. We were too busy trying to understand what was going on rather than just accepting what was going on.
1: Comments, anyone? How can we move toward this? Because these were some enlightened individuals before the story ever began. I mean, when you think about it, because this is describing a friendship of being Right. So I guess the question for me is, how can we move toward this uh, lessening expectations, having friends that we don't love with hooks? You know what I mean? Like a like a fish hook where you love them and you always want something back. You know, you never just love them. You always are putting out hooks. How can we let folks be and let us be? I think that's the whole goal. That's what I see out of this is just an example of being and even, even accepting, not only accepting them individually, but accepting the death too. Total acceptance. Hmm. Total acceptance. All the way through death, accepting the relationship, letting it come and go. Yeah.
2: I think the laughter, you know, they start laughing is an important part of it because, uh, you know, we don't have to be like deadly serious that we're accepting, you know, we have to be kind of lighthearted in, in our behaviors. So we're not going around like being deadly serious. We have to have no expectations. We're so serious about this, you know. 'Cause they're just laughing, okay. We're accepting this.
4: What would Shane say? Don't take yourself so damn seriously.
1: Rule sixty
2: two.
4: Rule sixty two.
1: Yeah, and exactly. But that's only uh that's a fruit of uh them living in this place of no expectations, right? If they weren't living there they, they would they couldn't laugh. Because they burst out laughing.
6: Yeah. Would it be like a sense of like embrace, like they're embracing the reality of their situation. um, And instead of trying to shy from it, they're facing it. Like that's kind of what I'm seeing in this is a certain level of, you know, more than just acceptance. It's an embracing of what reality currently is. And I, I say that because where my brain's going with things right now is like, I'm thinking about when I was over in Afghanistan and when I was like fighting and, and being, you know, in those situations where the camaraderie is so equal to like what I'm reading right now, where you're, you're involved in something that you can't really quantify or explain, but you randomly start laughing because you have a bond that is shared between individuals that are in a like-minded state that is inescapable. And so, you know, like, in terms of war, some people will say, embrace the suck. And I'm not necessarily, that's what this is, where they're trying to necessarily embrace the bad things, but you, that term can be used in a positive light as well, um, where they're embracing the reality of this thing called life um, and letting the ebbs and the flows occur as they should. Um, and then singing song, choosing to sing songs about it, as opposed to, um, Uh, going down maybe a negative path
1: yeah thanks taylor that's good anyone else that's all i have we don't have to go a full hour if we get the meat out of this we've gotten it but i think it really is all about lowering our expectations and learning to be like we've learned in all these others, that the Tao is about being, not being something, you know, be a human being, not a human doing.
2: We were just speaking of that this morning in this morning's Tao meeting about how um, we,
3: we've been setting ourselves up every hour is planned and we do, 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 and we don't have time to be. We're, we're human doings, and we don't have
1: time to be. I think that's what this is all about. Marla is teaching, is inviting us to be. You know, yeah. L- lowering those expectations and just being. You know, being available really is a big part of that right. for me.
0: I think um, modern Western society, right? America included. And Craig's over there across the pond, but still very similar mindset, and that is just being and not producing always seems to be looked down upon. Um, you know, I have a lengthy unemployment going on right now <laughs> um, since last November, and I've had the opportunity to to just be. there have been times that I have really enjoyed that. The problem is, is that when I'm just being, there's always someone out there that'll say, well, aren't you doing this? Aren't you looking for a job? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you producing, busy, producing, busy, producing? And I've enjoyed being. And I think that we have a challenge in Western society to embrace that and be able to accept people's, um, I don't know what the word is, the, their, their criticism of us for simply being rather than producing, producing, producing. I mean, granted, we live in capitalist societies and all of us are essentially cogs in a machine and we're supposed to produce until we can no longer produce and and they just want us to die quickly. <laughs> <laughs> the machine does at least. Um, I don't know. I think, I think that was all my thought. It was really just the, the concept of, I, I love being able to be, but then you're going to face criticism from the, from outside and people are always going to say, why are you just being, why aren't you producing? So
4: thanks, so. Brian. Greg, I think it's finding that balance. There the has to be that. Yeah, there the has to. I, I thought Marla was. I, I don't know what you were doing. what you were juggling? Yeah. If you watch the video back, you, you find it funny. Um, no, I I was I was, um, I was for thirteen weeks, and it was phenomenal. I really enjoyed it. And everybody saying, "Didn't you get bored?" I'm like, "No," because I managed to get I managed to get to know my family on such a connection. I managed I managed to connect. I reconnected with my son who usually you'll you, you normally get five words at a, a Callum when you, when you come back, you're like, how was school? Yeah, it was fine, Dad, thanks. And that's it. We connected on such a such a different level. Um, there was no effort in it. There was no effort in trying to make him communicate. There was no effort in trying to get on with him. I think he just got to the stage as well where he realised that you know, it's not all about what we can actually do in life. We don't actually have to constantly be doing things to, to actually connect with people as well. That's what I loved about it. I would do it again. I would, um, if, the, if there was another lockdown, I would, I would embrace it. We, uh, we, we had the discussion that, you know, what are we doing to, what are we doing to maintain our spirituality? What are we doing to maintain a, a connection during, during the lockdown? And I thought it was absolutely Fantastic you'll never get that opportunity again to spend that that long at, at home with the people that you love. granted I enjoyed the money coming in I was actually better off financially being furloughed. Uh, I know I know it's different to being unemployed and not having the finances coming in but you know, I would I would definitely take the time to, to enjoy what was going on again. I, I certainly would embrace it again. It's actually taught me that I need to find that balance in my life. Pre-COVID, I was uh, I was working full-time at one job. I was working part-time at the, the Taekwondo job, and I'm trying to fit in all my meetings, and I'm trying to fit in all, all the stuff I'm doing recovery. I didn't have that balance. I had the balance of what I wanted to do, but I didn't have the balance of what was needed in my family life. And I found that, that since I've let go of the, the Taekwondo business, I've actually found things are a lot better. I still have this, this, this thought at time, and I think, right, I need to get back to the house because I need to get this sorted, and I need to do that. And it's going to take time for me to get around that mindset that I don't actually have to do anything. As soon as my day is finished at work, that's it. This has meant my family time. This has meant my recovery time. This, this has meant a time where I can connect with other people that have got, uh, they've got more of a spiritual purpose in mind rather than this, let's go make money. Let's go and do this so we can make money. Or, or we, we can do this to go and better ourselves. I think what we're doing on this level and in what we're doing recovery, we can actually do that without too much effort. If we do the effortless effort, things tend to come a bit more naturally because there's there's, there's gonna be less effort, there's less pushing involvement. In
1: Thank you, Craig. Uh Paul
3: Yeah this uh this whole conversation made me think of my friend Matt. Um Matt was he was a tavern owner slash bartender and the irony's not lost on me because 'cause I'm a recovering alcoholic so But uh, Matt was one of those guys uh, where I could not see him for three or four years. And as soon as I would walk into his place, we'd pick up right where we left off. He was just one of those guys, one of those special friends. And he, he always remembered the details of our conversations. Now, this is a guy who's a bartender. So he, you know, he dealt with, it was a small town. It was a small bar. But, you know, he dealt with a lot of people and he just had one of those personalities where he would remember everything. And uh, sadly, he passed away about three years ago. He was only 60. He died of cancer. And um, I went to the funeral and I was expecting kind of a sad occasion, but it turned out that, and there were probably about three or 400 people at his funeral that he had touched. And I just remember I never laughed so hard as I did that day when I was we were swapping stories about you know, about him and about, and, you know, it turns out that just about everybody there was a friend like I was, you know, he, you know, it was just, it was amazing. Uh, the lives that that guy touched and um, yeah, that's just this conversation reminded me of that and how rare those friendships are. I, I have one other friend that I can do that with and um, you know, where there's no, no expectations And those are, those are the best friendships in my opinion. Thank you, Paul. Thanks.
6: Uh, Taylor. Yeah, I'm, I agree with Paul completely. I I'm thinking of some of the friends that I have, I can only name like two (laughs) where I can say without a doubt, That no matter where I go and what I do at the drop of a hat, um, it's just like no time has passed at all whatsoever. We can pick up our conversations right where we left off. There will be zero judgment on any of the stories that get told. And it can be a place of actually practicing being Um, which is really interesting because I actually haven't really thought about it in an application of what we're discussing here before. So this is kind of opening up those uh, channels for me, um, which is really cool. But I'm also thinking about like the comfort in the uncomfortable Um, and, you know, being in this lockdown and the opportunities that, you know, the choices between looking at things, kind of like the the choice to sing a song um, upon death uh, you know, verse, doing something different doing maybe a ritual or a tradition. Um, and how, you know, these things, you know, don't necessarily have to stop with situations like this, we can practice these things outside of you know, death in our lives, um, when we're in a pandemic and things like this are going on, um, you know, when you hear the word opportunity versus challenge, right. Um, and how it applies to all practices of our lives of these choices that we, we could make during the cards that are more or less dealt, um, And uh, an opportunity for me is a chance to fill my big rocks, Um, you know, is a phrase that is commonly used that we've probably all heard, Um, you know, what is the most important things in my life uh, that I now have an opportunity to focus on because uh, the sand in my life more or less in a way has gone away uh, to a degree and and has cleared out where my big rocks are lying and I can actually see them on the ground and decide to pick them up now. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that other challenges don't, don't occur during that, but it's just a unique perspective that I think is also being shown uh, through this story.
1: Thank you, Taylor. This part where it says, can men live together and know nothing of it, work together and produce nothing. Can they fly around in space and forget to exist world without end? Listen to this is the St. Francis prayer and see if it doesn't kind of resonate with that. It does for me. Lord, make me a channel of Thy peace that where there's hatred, I can bring, I may bring love that where there's wrong. I may bring the spirit of forgiveness that where there's discord, I may bring harmony that where there's error, I may bring truth that where there's doubt, I may bring faith that where there's despair, I may bring hope that where there's shadows, I may bring light that where there's sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather, rather to comfort than to be comforted, to understand and be understood, to love than to be loved. For it is by self forgetting that one finds. It is by forgiving that one is forgiven. It is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. Amen. I'm thinking that not doing is more of not doing selfish efforts. You know, not, not the the effortless effort is not doing nothing. It is no selfish effort. So, maybe that's part of the same thing. Forget to exist could be a lot of forget about self, forget, you know, letting self, surrendering self. Uh, what can I do for you instead of what can you do for me? That whole idea is what I think of with that some. Um, instead of that idea with, with this Taoist thought of it's all about doing nothing. No, it's all about not being self-consumed, really. Now, that can be misinterpreted by other people a lot of times (laughs) because you will not be in the same race everyone else is in. You're just not in that same rat race. Your motives are not the same. Your goals are not the same. Um, For me, I lost that motivation to, to hustle for money, but all my needs have still been met, that kind of a thing. You know, that there are other things that become more important. And I think that might be part of this too. So I just wanted to throw that into the mix. So I think it really is about self forgetting that we find. And that's part of what this is. I think that's the way it applies to me. And if I want to start uh, moving toward this, I need to start doing what's in this St. Francis prayer in more moments of the day, just more of being available. You know, instead of manipulation and control and agenda, every moment had an agenda. Now, you know, I've had I've surrendered that agenda most of the time. <laughs> that truly is perfection though, isn't it? Perfection is not doing everything perfect. It's I think it's in more moments of the day me thinking of how I can help you instead of how can I get you to do for me. Tina, you got anything you like your thinking?
7: You know, um, yeah, and I like that because i can I can walk away from this story with um an action step, which is non action in terms of production, but love, so I really like that, but um so when I reread the story, I realized, and I was just listening to what you guys were saying about how one Usually, one friend is like the butt of the joke, so they kind of give them a hard time. So that's what I thought was happening with these three friends. But after I reread it a couple of times, I saw that that wasn't the case. Maybe we were just, you were just talking okay about it in general. So, um, with that said, um, I, as I reread it a couple of times, I'm in more agreement with what Kate said about it, saying, "Darn it, he, you know, he's not here anymore, and we are." like I wish and that makes more sense to me um but while they're here while they're here they make the best of it it's almost like if you don't take it to life too seriously and you have friends to go through that with then um, you can laugh at these things and it's just death um I mean not just death but yeah if you laugh at it you can live with it yeah, you know, yeah, they, this was awesome.
1: They're gone. Yeah. And the laughing, Tina, I think was to do with the uh not the friends, but the the Confucius. anytime you see Confucius or Confucius's disciple, they're laughing at the disciple, not at any of the friends. So that that's how I took it. I could be wrong. But uh anything else, guys? Zach, you have something?
5: Uh well. Yeah. I don't want to drag it out too long. Uh, I was just thinking about er, uh, earlier when you were talking about, um, you know, some of the things like uh, what Confucius represents, you know, in these stories, um, uh, being, um, one of the things he can represent is forms or, um, and so then I got to, well, what's, you know, what's the alternative to forms? It's, form, you know, no forms or formless, uh, which got me, you know, just reminded me the, the first verse of the Tao is the, you know, uh, the, the Tao that can be named is not the, it's not the true Tao, you know? And, um, so then, you know, I was thinking about what, uh, uh, Brian said a few minutes ago about, you know, um, how just like on a, you know, on a molecular, like atomic level, even there's, there's way more space than there is not space. You know what I mean? And um, I wonder if there's, I, I don't have any real point to make with that other than just, I wonder if that's, you know, they're presenting some of that alternative, you know, Confucius's disciple is here saying, Hey, look, these are, you know, these are the rules. This is the way that we go through death. There's a, there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And, uh, you know, and the three friends are like, you know, we, we didn't have it figured out when we were alive and we certainly don't have it figured out now, you know.
1: That's it. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, they were... Uh... They were, they were making fun of, uh, the disciple of Confucius just that he, Confucius for sure didn't have it figured out, you know, and, uh, they were breaking the rules and the disciple didn't like it. I think that, uh, if we're going to have this way of life, we're going to break the rules sometime. Some people are not going to be happy with us. Well, I've had times people have said, buddy, why aren't you just, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? I'm just not. (laughs) They're like, "Well, well, you should, you know, all this hustle, 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 you know? And I said, well, I'm making money when I need it. And they said, well, but you could do so much more. I said, yeah, I could. And they still don't quite get it that that whole hustle, there's no future in the hustle. Not, I don't see it. You know, doesn't mean I'm lazy. I work harder than I've ever worked, quite honestly. But it's not always the things that are making money. I just do what's in front of me to do. And then when I need money, it shows up. So, yeah, it really is about making that shift, though. What can I do for you instead of what can you do for me? That's the simplest way I know to put it. Any closing comments, guys? That was pretty good. Wasn't bad, was it? Next week, chapter, or, well, I'm sorry, verse 2. I don't want to be corrected again by Sensei, so I'm going to say verse. <laughs> I know, right? So it's verse two. Come on, Craig, you got something to say, I know.
4: It was funny seeing you get told off.
1: <laughs> I know. If that's the worst he ever tells me off, I'm in good shape. But, uh, yeah, he, he he's not shy. He is not shy, which is good. But I'm really enjoying it, and he's enjoying it. So uh, I think it's a good thing. We're giving him some good feedback. Do y'all have any comments for us or any suggestions? Our email is wisdom56321 at gmail. Thank you, ma'am. Yes. Okay, guys. If there's nothing else, I will see y'all next next week. Have a great week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email shared google recovery calendars hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week
0: thank you for listening to the dow of our understanding recovery podcast if you enjoyed this episode
1: please share it with your friends in recovery